AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. On the fake. Pressure on Goff. He's in trouble, and Bosa's got a second sack of the day. And we get a timeout as well. Two-thirds of the way through the game. Dolphins sitting on seven points. He empties out to in trouble. Carl Loftus and Chris Jones there as well. Bridges. Smith misses that. Kurt Smith. Get out of North Carolina State. Thompson fires away. Knocks down another. Clay Thompson. On that end of the floor in the first early minutes of the second half. The length is so apparent. Collins catch and shoot. It's another three for the spark plug for Arizona State. He's got eight in the second half. Another European. Larson to the cup, throws it down. Hey, the easiest drive that Paul Larson will have all season. Where was the outside defense on that for Stanford? You know, I was talking about rat poison last year when we played this game. Nobody would listen. Players wouldn't listen. You all didn't listen. Um, they had lost the week before. We were big favorites. It was like no big deal. Just show up for this game, go play the next game. I don't get affected by it because I don't listen to you all. Nelson and Broom do battle on the baseline. Broom wanted to go to his left, finally gets wow. there. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, February 8th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. Super Bowl 58, our week long question Who you got? Meanwhile, the Suns, should they be interested in trading for Miles Bridges? Clay Thompson, does he have trade value? ASU and the U of A, do they win on the road versus the Mountain Schools? Nick Saban, will he excel when there's, he's actually now delivering the rat poison? Uh, from today's uh, national roundup, Auburn dominates its rival. And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday in moments of the introduction of today's pipeline. At the 10.15, a Chiefs update. Mac Derrick will join us from Chiefs Digest. We're talking to Matt for... Many years during the uh, Chiefs' dominance here, and um, things have changed a little bit. We'll get into all kinds of things with Matt, including game strategy and how the Chiefs were built. 10.30 or so to be interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also, some bottom line for today. And some local roundup stuff. Suns, Jazz, ASU, Colorado, U of A, Utah. All those games are tonight. Final segment will be the national roundup, including the latest line for Super Bowl 58. Rip from the headlines, from the wire, and time pending a little from the scoreboard from the college ranks last night. Then after the sports zone, it is the extra point. That's from 11 to 1 o'clock. Of course, the extra point hosted by Kayla. 
That will include a discussion, uh, Kayla's uh, discussion with A.J. Perez uh, from uh, Front Office Sports. Second consecutive year, we'll have A.J. on and uh, talk about some Super Bowl things and so forth, and that'll be a Kayla and A.J. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And the poll question this week is, who you got in the Super Bowl, Kansas City plus two or San Francisco minus two? Corey's here and has the updated returns. Leading barely, Kansas City plus two, 52%. San Francisco minus two, 48%. KDUS1060.com. The week started with this at 63%, and yesterday went back and forth uh, during this three-hour radio block. Also, uh, on just in injury news from yesterday, I think the biggest news was the Chiefs starting back linebacker Willie Gay not even listed on the practice injury report uh, on Wednesday for the Chiefs. Remember, he missed the uh, Ravens game. He was injured in the early part of the Bills game. Uh, not even listed. He is expected to be a full go, at least as of right now, for Sunday. Today's X-Poll question, should the Suns be interested in trading for the Hornets' Miles Bridges? And, uh, Corey, what do we have here? We are split down the middle, 50-50, KDUS AM 1060 on X. Bridges, in his fifth NBA season, averaging a career-best 21.3 points per game, but he's also had off-the-court issues, including a domestic violence incident involving the mother of his children, that resulted in a 30-game suspension from the NBA a couple of seasons ago. Meanwhile, the NBA trade deadline is today. Uh, some highly unlikely, in my opinion, speculation that the Warriors might trade Clay Thompson. Uh, you know, just, just kind of eliminate all the obstacles here, the salary cap obstacles and so forth. Should the Lakers should the Lakers should the Warriors trade Clay Thompson? His dad played for the Lakers back in the day. Uh, should the Warriors trade Clay Thompson? And should a contending team be interested in trading for him? Meanwhile, on the local front, ASU and the U of A are, might be in for a long week. The Sun Devils and Wildcats are on the uh, mountain trip, playing at Colorado and Utah. Colorado and Utah are a combined 24-0 at home this season. Not lost one game in 24 games. None. Zero. Does the Pac-12 leading U of A and now the ninth-place Sun Devils, do they get a win this weekend uh, against Colorado and or Utah? Meanwhile, spanning the globe from the uh, highly predictable uh, bucket here, Nick Saban joining ESPN as part of college game day part of the NFL draft, and I'm certain much more. Will Nick Saban contribute? Be a, uh, you know, be, will he excel contributing, I should say? Will he excel being a college football analyst on ESPN? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio extravaganza. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at x.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. 
Coming up next, Corey, a news update. That will be followed by the, uh, you know, the, the latest, I should say, the latest. This is uh, you know, five, five segments this week in this hour. Four of them were Super Bowl. Today is segment number three as far as the Super Bowl goes, and we'll get the latest on the Chiefs from Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some bottom line uh, answers from the pipeline questions you just heard. And also, time pending, uh, we'll get to uh, some local roundup, the uh, big games uh, with the Suns, Sun Devils, and Wildcats all playing tonight. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years, and the underdog for a third consecutive playoff game this postseason. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports on by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. And Matt, I want to start with uh, General Manager Brett Veach. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, the organization, not every organization can work this well together. How has Veach and his staff, including the scouts, been able to pull this off? And how much does Andy Reid actually contribute to the personnel decisions? Yeah, you know, it is, it's, an, it's an eclectic group because you've, uh, you have some uh, people in the organization, the front office, who, you know, were here actually before uh, John Dorsey and, and Brett Veach came in. And remember, you know, Brett Beach was uh, you know, really one of Andy Reid's people that kind of came in and came over to Kansas City with him and joined the organization. And, and so it is kind of an interesting group, but it's also a fairly young group. Um, and you've seen some some people that are even underneath Brett, Brett Beach now who have moved on. Hey, Ryan Poles is the general manager in Chicago. Uh, Brant Pillis just basically took a job that's going to make him the number two at Carolina in the front office. Um, so they've, they've been getting some talent that has been leaving, but they've also been a group that's been together, really, uh, by and large, for the last 10 years. Because outside of John Dorsey, I mean, he hired this group, but Brett didn't make a whole lot of changes when he took over as GM. So it's been a, a kind of a young group that's worked together. And I, I think you also see that it's a, it's a collaborative relationship with Andy Reid, too. Um, Reid doesn't have the same kind of involvement that he did in Philadelphia as far as just getting down into the details of uh, transactions in the draft. I mean, he, he trusts Beach with a lot of the moves that he just makes, um, certainly has input, but um, he really gives that front office free reign to do what they think is right for the club and right for the future. Meanwhile, you know, the ingredients of this really good defense, a lot of it has come through the draft here in the last couple of years, a lot of it. You know, which individual additions do you think have had the most influence of this becoming an elite-level defense? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a kind of a series of moves because – and I really go back to 2019, especially as far as building the defense, because that's when Steve Spagnuolo came in. And, and when Steve got here, I mean, it was obviously a defense built for a 3-4. So, you know, getting the right personnel for the play his 4-3 defense is – so it was kind of a work in progress. And then, you know, the last couple of years has really been the focus on just finding the, the body types and the right kind of players that he likes as far as on the defensive line and at cornerback. And, 
you know, you've seen them invest a lot in just these long, lean, lengthy corners and, and let Dave Merritt and Steve Spagnuolo just kind of mold them into what they need, and that's really worked well. Uh, it's also worth having Joe Cole in here the last couple of years because they have been able to invest in some young players on the defensive line and let him kind of, once again, carve them into what Steve Spagnuolo needs. And even Chris Jones will tell you that you know, Joe Cole has been a big part of what they've done, making him even a better player the last couple of years too. So it's been a kind of a, a combination. I mean, certainly it's, it's Brett Veach in the front office finding the, the right talent that fits, and, and they've, had, they've had a lot of success, especially at cornerback in finding, you know, guys in the later rounds, you know, day two, day three, even undrafted guys. You know, Chavez Ward is a, you know, was an undrafted player that they, they acquired in a trade with Dallas as a rookie. Um, that now, you know, hey, star for San Francisco, he's an all-pro. I mean, um, so they haven't had any problems finding talent there and then coaching them up. Okay, so let's get into this week a little bit. You know, Joe Tooney, because of the pec injury, not likely to play this week. How much will he be missed? Yeah, I mean, you're always going to miss an all-pro. There's no doubt about that. But the Chiefs are pretty lucky that they've got a fifth-year guy, Nick Allegretti, that's their kind of sixth lineman. Um, he can play just about anywhere on the interior. Uh, he's played a game at center this year even, so he can play at any position. And remember, Allegretti, you know, during the 2020 you know, run to the Super Bowl, play, started in three games in the playoffs that year, including the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. So it's not a lack of experience. Um, they're a different team with Allegretti. I mean, obviously you have to just kind of shade your protections a little bit differently. Um, his strength is more run blocking. Tooney's a, a more proficient pass protector. Um, so it's a little bit different. But the Chiefs, I mean, obviously there's a drop off. I think they can't tell you that there's not. But Allegretti has been, you know, more than capable of filling in and obviously did a really good job in the AFC Championship game. On the defensive side, you know, defensive lineman and, and different difference maker, especially late in the season, Charles Amena, who suffered the torn ACL in the AFC Championship game. How will they try to compensate without him? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, their first-round draft pick, Felix Anadike Uzama, has been inactive the last few games. He will probably be up this week, but how much he plays, you know, he will be more maybe a, a third down, you know, a situational pass rusher. Um, they've got Malik Herring that they can also give a few snaps to. But honestly, I mean, I, I think what they'll probably do is end up just giving more work to Mike Dana, George Karloftis, and even kicking Chris Jones out inside when needed. Um, it's, there's no tomorrow. So, <laughs> you know, with these guys, they're not going to be afraid to play them for as many snaps as they need. Karloftis and Dana are both young guys, so they can handle the workload. Um, I would expect them to get the bulk of it. Maybe you sprinkle in Herring and, and Felix when you just need to give the guys a breather and, in certain situations. But other than that, I, I mean, I, I think Colin and Spagnuolo are going to go with the, their most experienced guys. Willie Gay, uh, he got injured early in that Buffalo game, didn't play against Baltimore, but didn't even appear on the uh, practice report after Wednesday's uh, uh, session out there in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm assuming his. I'm assuming he's returning. Uh, how's his expected return? You know, bolster that defense. What's he bring that's been missing for basically the last two games? Well, the, I think the biggest thing that Willie Gay absolutely gives that defense is they, they call him the energy giver. They call him Juice for a reason because uh, he's just a spark plug. I mean, absolutely. Whether it's on the field or on the sideline, Willie Gay gives that team energy. So I don't know that they're necessarily been missing it, but if they need they need a spark, if they need energy, Willie Gay's the guy that's going to give it. 
and he's also you know the speed guy. I mean, he is somebody who you know can, can play with faster running backs. He can he can follow guys out of the backfield. Uh, he's a solid tackler. I mean, his his, his coverage is you know probably better than average, um, but it's really his speed and his energy on the field that gives him something. Drew Tranquil's got that kind of speed too, but I think Willie Gay is faster probably the fastest of their linebackers, so that's probably the one you know specific advantage that they get in this game, and I, and you, I think you got to have that when you have a, a guy like McCaffrey in the backfield. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, currently in the sports zone. Uh, you mentioned Spagnola. Uh, we all know that he loves the blitz. Black, Brock Purdy has actually been highly efficient win blitz, so how do you think uh, the Chiefs will try to get pressure on Purdy? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs scheme is going to be pretty simple. It's what Steve Spagnuolo likes to do. It's, you know, you, you try and contain him on first and second down, get him in the third down situation, third and long, so you can go after the quarterback. And and he will absolutely show Brock Purdy some moves he hasn't seen before. That's the one thing about Steve Spagnuolo is that uh, coming up with unscouted looks, throwing some things that you, wrinkles at teams that they just haven't seen on film, uh, that's what he does. And he's also got the ability to, with this group, blitz from any direction. I mean, they've got a, right now. I mean, they they can put eleven players on the field, and and they've got eleven proficient blitzers. They can come from the safeties, the corners, the linebackers, any any level, and and that's what I would expect them to do is show a lot of uh, you know simulated pressures, you know, to to give Curdy an idea, make them think that the pressure is coming from one direction, but really it comes from the other. Uh, they did that pretty effectively against Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. So you know it's. It's, they've, they've gone up against a trio of really tough quarterbacks in this postseason that I think has prepared them for the 49ers. And they're definitely, you know, for a young quarterback, there's no doubt. Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to some tricks for Brock Purdy that he hasn't seen yet. Chris Jones and Chris, uh, you know, Chris Jones and George Karloftis, where are they going to line up? I'm assuming most of the time it's not going to be across from Trent Williams, but you know they, they move all over the line. So where do you where when I'm watching this game on Sunday, where am I going to find those guys? Yeah, you're right. They they are going to move around, and and a lot of times you'll see Chris still on the inside on first and second downs, um, especially on third downs. That's when you're for sure going to see him kicking outside, and and he'll do that in earlier downs as well. But Chris also really gets to kind of pick his assignments, so he can kind of. Um, even from down to down, I mean, if he, if he feels like there's a, a, a play that he's better suited in, a, in one position, I mean, he can be there instead. So I would expect, and Chris often does, you know, pick the, the uh, easier assignment. So I would typically like expect him to be over, lined up over the right tackle. Uh, so he will probably be on the left side of the defense. That's what I would expect. But you're right. I mean, all those guys, they, they consider them interchangeable and can really move them along. And, and even, you know, like Mike Van is another guy, um, can kick inside, especially on, on third down. So you will see them, even without a minute, I think you'll see them on third down, even, you know, putting four defensive ends and four edge rushers on the field at the same time. Chiefs defense on the season has averaged allowing just seven points per game after halftime, second half, basically. So generally speaking, what have they done differently in the second half of games pretty much all year long? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt the, the adjustments that they've been able to make from first half to second half have been just uh, elite this year. And, and, it, and that really is. I mean, they are, they're not afraid to change things if they're not working. If there's, there's not a, a tendency to, to just keep doing what they do or even say, that, hey, this is what we do best. We're going to stick with that. Um, they really do have a chameleon-like defense that can adapt and change to whatever the offense is doing. 
so hey, if they're if they're getting gashed on something in the first half against the 49ers, better than even chance they're going to figure it out at halftime, and especially get a longer halftime in the Super Bowl. I think just to give them even more time to come up with some counter tactics to it. Uh, but it, it's been it's very impressive. I mean, they've had some of the moments this year and some games, you know, for example, the, the Raiders, you know, in Las Vegas earlier this season. It really gashed them in the first half. And the Chiefs defense absolutely clamped them down, shut them down in the second half. Uh, if, if there's something that's working, whether it's a running back going to the tight end, you name it, uh, they seem to be able to find that and identify it and completely take it away from teams in the second half. Okay, so I wanted to make sure I got into the thing about the scouting and the defense. Uh, on to this Mahomes dude, uh, finally, <laughs> about 10, 10 minutes in, and uh, here we go. I, you know, we all know about him. Uh, but you know, he, uh, his approach seemingly has changed here uh, really during the season and specifically in these last couple of games. What specifically has changed in his approach, their offensive approach? Yeah, you know, and, and, and I know some people mean this as a derogatory term, but I'll say it again. I mean, I, I think it's a compliment. I mean, Mahomes has turned himself this year into a, a game manager. Uh, All right. I use I use that manager. term yesterday. So thank <laughs> I use that term yesterday. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Oh, you, there you go. I, mean, I know. I know you weren't streaming and listening, so thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome, Bob. But he has. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, um, especially the last, you know, I would say five games for sure, but in the postseason, I'm not sure I can tell you that he has put a, a single throw in danger. I mean, every throw that he has made has been the right decision. Um, he's throwing the ball away when needed rather than forcing it into windows, which I think he was earlier in the season. You know, he still had, a, I think, a little bit of the mentality that it's on the offense and it was on him to get the offense fixed and he had to put this entire team on his shoulders. And I think late in the season, you know, it was an evol- evolution, but I think throughout the season even, you know, he realized, hey, this is a really good defense. All this offense needs to do is score some points, not turn the football over, not make mistakes, and the defense will win them games. So they've started doing that. And when Mahomes plays mistake-free football, I mean, he doesn't have to put up 450 yards for this team to win. He's realized he can put up 215. I mean, good grief, I think he could probably get away with 150, and, and this team is going to win some games. I mean, his numbers last year in the Super Bowl were not spectacular, but he was still the MVP because um, he's still going to make those handful of plays during a game that can be a difference. Um, but he knows he doesn't have the same horses, same weapons at the skill positions this year that he's had in the past. So he's just kind of relying on what he's got, which is Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, he's not taking as many shots downfield, but when he is, it's they're open. He's not trying to force things like he was earlier in the season. And when he plays mistake-free football, like I said, I, I, there's not a lot of teams that can beat them. Travis Kelsey, he didn't score a touchdown for nine games during the regular season. He's been a touchdown machine in the postseason. What's changed there? Uh, I think a big part of it is just health. Um, you know, have, being able to, to sit out week 18 was, a, I think, a big, you know, help for him. Remember, throughout the regular season, Travis Kelsey was basically never even close to 100%. He hyperextended his knee 48 hours before the season opener against Detroit. And as a result, was just never himself, never 100%. And you could tell it. And there was a few other dings he took here and there. Uh, late in the season, he got a stinger that kind of you know, bothered him for several games. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. This has been the most, I think, difficult season for Travis. He's kind of alluded to that and said, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's been hard from a physical standpoint on him, and obviously age is catching up with him. But this guy lives for the spotlight, and there's no doubt. That, I mean, when the, the when the postseason starts, this guy, he brings his best. And the fact that he's now had two weeks off um, out of the last, you know, five weeks, I, I think that's just going to help him make him feel any better. Seeing him in Vegas this week, he looks he looks a lot more refreshed than I thought he looked during the last half of the season. Yeah, we, we've talked a few times during this season, including a couple of weeks ago before, uh, you know, during the, uh, the AFC playoffs. This offensive line we've talked about during the season, it, it seems like this offensive line has also improved throughout this season. Yeah, you know, it, I think there was some definitely some chemistry adjustments with having two new tackles on both ends. Um, and the Chiefs obviously were playing without Donovan Smith for a while, and Wanya Morris, a rookie, was stepping in there. Uh, they've got a really strong interior. That certainly was a strength. You know, with, with Joe Tooney when he was there, um, even with Nick Allegretti now, that's a guy that they trust. And, and Allegretti's been with this team for five years, so he knows the offense. He knows the communication. There's no issue there. But you go just with, with Allegretti. Creed Humphrey is an, already an all-pro level you know, center. Trey Smith, honestly, should be right behind him. Um, this guy has just come in and been a, a, a stud at that right guard spot since day one coming in as a rookie. And then you add in Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor, and there was definitely an adjustment period. Taylor obviously had the penalties through the early and mid part of the season. That's curtailed somewhat. Uh, Donovan Smith looked a lot more comfortable at the end of the year than he did at the beginning. And, and you can tell the communication is a lot more crisp. Uh, the run game has picked up, and I think that's certainly just a benefit of the, the tackles having now been in this system and this entire group getting more comfortable together. Mahomes and Andy Reid have been excellent over the years against teams trying to play zone defense against them. Baltimore a couple of weeks ago would be an example of this, obviously. The 49ers are primarily a zone defense team. Are the Chiefs expecting more man, or what are they looking for this week? Yeah, they're certainly preparing for both you know, elements. I mean, you know, with Steve Wilkes, yeah, I mean, he's typically going to be a, a zone kind of guy, but you know, he's also a good defensive coordinator, so they're expecting a few unscouted looks, a few wrinkles that he can come up for them. But you know, they, with this receiver core, that's the thing, is just that they had a lot of adjustments to zones throughout this year, and especially the, the way that teams were playing them. And that circles back to our game management conversation because defenses you know, spent most of the regular season – trying to make sure that the Chiefs couldn't throw the ball deep. Um, they were playing a zone underneath, too. So it was really, if Mahomes wanted to move the football, it's like you got to either dump it off in the flat, throw something short, throw something quick. There wasn't a lot else there. And once he started doing that, now you've seen there be some leaks or some, now some holes because when you start just embracing that concept and now you've got the safeties looking, you know, looking in and they're expecting the ball to get thrown short, one step is all it takes, and all of a sudden, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets open, and he's had a couple of big catches deep the last couple of weeks. So that was one thing that was missing from this team because of just the way that a lot of defenses were playing them. If, if the 49ers start peaking a little bit and, you know, pushing up, and I think that's one edge that the 49ers do have because Steve Wilkes does seem to play his defensive backs off a little bit more. So in those zones, I mean, maybe it will be tougher for the Chiefs to push it downfield. Um, but there should be opportunities short in this zone, and that's where Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey should absolutely be able to make hay. Okay, Mahomes is an underdog. 10-1-1 against the spread, 9-3 and three straight up as an underdog. Uh, is that just a coincidence, or is there more to it than that? Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's, 
he's affectionately called Petty Mahomes in Kansas City because he can turn any slight into an advantage and, and play that up. And, and this team is doing that this week. I mean, good grief, Bob. They're in their fourth Super Bowl in five years, and they're the mm-hmm. underdog. I mean, they, they're relishing this. They're loving this. I mean, it's them against the world. They, they're, they're able to paint that picture. And I, I can't imagine how Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are able to do that. Um, but they're, they're managing, and, and they, they, they're, they're kind of embracing that. And, you know, Mahomes was asked about being the villain yesterday, and, you know, he's right. like, well, you know, I mean, if, 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 it, if you hate the guy who wins all the time, I'm fine with that because I like to win it. And the, and the rest of the team's the same way, but I think the rest of the team is really, uh, I mean, some of them are really truly embracing the villain role. I mean, they're like, hey, if, we're gonna, if people are going to think we're the bad guy, we're just going to embrace and be the bad guy. So they're having a lot of fun with it, and that's, once again, I mean, that's why I think Mahomes is as good as he is as an underdog. He doesn't need much motivation, but when you give it to him, he's going to take it, and that, this, this guy does have an ability to dial it up to 11. Okay, last up, sort of the villainous underdog Chiefs win on Sunday. <laughs> I, I think they do. I mean, the 49ers, I don't think any doubt, I think we're the better team throughout the regular season. Um, but I think well, what we've seen in the postseason, the Chiefs are playing their best football of the year. I think the defense absolutely is playing lights out elite. I mean, if they, if they were to hold the 49ers under 10 points, single digits, I mean, this is going to go down as one of the best postseason defensive performances ever. Um, it's, it's just been elite at this point. And we know that Patrick Mahomes, I, I have a hard time ever going against Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. That usually suits you well. Uh, I, I, I think they pull it off. I don't think, if this turns into a shootout, I do think the 49ers might have a chance. Um, but I, I, I think that this Chiefs team, the way they're playing, as focused as they are, and with the additional experience in this game, this week that they have, if you give me a choice between Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy, I, I think I have to go with Patrick Mahomes. So I think the Chiefs win this one. All right, Matt, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And we really appreciate all the time, you know, over the years and, uh, you know, three or four or five times this year. And uh, I'm guessing we'll run it around again next year. So thank you very much. Absolutely. I have a lot of friends in Phoenix, so it's always good to catch up with you and uh, be able to let them hear from me. Thanks, Matt. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Check out all his work. Lots going on this week. So um, check out Matt at Chiefs Digest. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion. We'll have some bottom line answers from today's pipeline and also time pending. We'll get to some local roundup stuff. Suns, Sun Devils, and Wildcats all play tonight. Uh, You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1016, KS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard Super Bowl or anything else. 602-260-1060 to the KDUS hotline. All right, first up, uh, let's get to some pipeline answers uh, from uh, some of the some of the pipeline answers. Uh, you know. We'll get to the poll questions and the extra point. But the other pipeline questions today, uh, eliminating the NBA, you know, the salary cap uh, obstacles. Uh, should the Warriors trade Clay Thompson before today's deadline? 
or should contending teams even be interested in trading for him? I think the bottom line here is the Warriors should trade Clay Thompson, whose shooting has certainly declined this season, some of the worst numbers of his career. And I think more, more, I would say more importantly, but just as importantly, his defensive skills, which had a lot to do with them winning some championships, they have really eroded, as you would expect after the multiple leg injuries he's suffered in recent seasons. The U of A and ASU. First place U of A, ninth place now ASU in the Pac-12. Do they win this weekend at Colorado and Utah? The bottom line is the ASU and, uh, you know, I think the ASU and the U of A are both going to get swept this week. Uh, Colorado and uh, Utah are both undefeated at home. Now, there's one parameter here. I think the U of A loses to Colorado if Gilbert product, Gilbert, uh, you know, local product here, an NBA draft lottery projected pick, Cody Williams is actually back from injury for Colorado. He's been in and out of their lineup for literally weeks. Did not play last Saturday when they lost at Utah. But if uh, if he plays for Colorado this week, I think ASU and the U of A both get swept in the Rocky Mountain trip. Or the mountain trip is, I guess, the official term. Meanwhile, Nick Saban, uh, will he uh, excel contributing to uh, you know ESPN, college game day, etc.? And I have no doubt that Saban is going to be great. Uh, you know, I think that he would be, uh, he was actually very opinionated when he was a coach, let alone, uh, now a lot of the announcers or a lot of guys that go from coaching into broadcasting are afraid to criticize their former colleagues. Also, a lot of those guys are going to be a coach again. I don't think Saban's ever going to coach again. And like I said, he was you know, oftentimes critical not necessarily of opposing coaches and so forth, but of the system itself in college football. I think he will be a tremendous addition to the ESPN game day and further broadcast team. All right. Uh, poll questions today, which we'll, uh, the first one we'll answer tomorrow in the, uh, you know, during the Friday spread in the extra point. We've had this question all week long. Uh, who you got in the Super Bowl? We've been going with Kansas City plus two, San Francisco minus two, those numbers. Uh, so we'll answer that tomorrow. As far as the uh, X question today, should the Suns be interested in trading for the Hornets' Miles Bridges? We will answer that question around 12.30 during the extra point, hosted by Kayla. All right, uh, local roundup for today, the Suns. Uh, they host the Jazz tonight. The Suns are beginning a stretch. That, uh, excuse me, this is game two of a stretch for the Suns in which they play 7 of 10 games at home. They've actually now won four consecutive home games. They had a really difficult time through the majority of the season, even establishing a home court advantage, but they're four in a row at home now. Suns on the season, 30-21. and 21. That's still sixth place in the Western Conference. The Jazz are an interesting team to look at today, look at today before the deadline. I've seen uh, you, know, you make a case for them adding. You can make a case for them selling. Uh, so what will they do? They're 26 and 26, which is 10th in the Western Conference. The Suns not particularly good against Western Conference opponents this year. They're just three games over 500 in those games, 27 and 14. The Jazz 13 and 18 against Western Conference opponents. The Suns shooting 49.8 percent now from the field for the season, almost 50 percent. 
that's better, you know, 1.9 percentage points better than the uh, 57.9 that uh, the Jazz opponents have uh, you know scored this year. Uh, so we'll see how that works out this evening in downtown Phoenix. These teams are playing for the fourth time this season. The last time they played was an overtime contest, 140 to 137. But that was way back on November the 20th, so it's been a while. Uh, Kevin Durant scored 39 points in that particular game. Meanwhile, one thing to look for today is uh, you know, for the Jazz, Laurie Markkinen, uh, U of A alum, he's averaging 23.8 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, and even a couple assists per game. Last 10 games, the Suns are 7-3. and three. They've averaged 122 points per game in those 10, allowing just 115. The Jazz are just 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. They've scored 122 points per game and allowed 126.1 points per game. As I mentioned, ASU and the U of A on the road this week against the uh, Mountain Schools. The Sun Devils actually swept this trip last year on the road. Uh, That's the first time they have ever swept the uh, Colorado and Utah schools away from home. Uh, Of course, they also swept them at home earlier this season. That was when ASU was off to a 4-0 start in conference play. Since then, they've stumbled, and now they're ninth after last night's results, ninth in the Pac-12, entering action tonight. So we'll see how this goes this evening uh, for ASU and, uh, and the U of A. Uh, as far as the conference standings go, after last night, the U of A obviously still in first place. There were a couple, you know, there were two games last night. Let me actually just get to the two games really quickly here. Uh, UCLA, they're starting to play pretty well. In fact, I think they've played pretty well for several games in a row now. Mick Cronin has done a nice job trying to at least – it started slowly, but they're doing much better here lately. They won last night at Stanford. Uh, 82 to 74. They really controlled that game for the majority of the contest. Sebastian Mack, who has been a wildly inconsistent offensive player for UCLA this year, he ended up with 21 points. Adem Bona, who has been one of the most improved players in college basketball during this season, I mean the whole country, he had 16 points and eight rebounds last night for UCLA. Meanwhile, USC lost at Cal in overtime. 83-77, to 77. Uh, Jalen Tyson had 27 points. We saw him here against the Arizona schools last week, and he was good. And really, both games against the U of A and ASU had 27 points last night for Cal. The big news in this game is that Isaiah Collier, uh, AS, uh, the USC star freshman who's projected to be one of the top picks in the NFL, NBA draft next year, he had missed the last six games with an arm injury, a hand injury, he came back and played last night for the Trojans, and he was really good. Uh, he didn't shoot very well from the field, 4 for 13, but he got to the free throw line 12 out of 16. He also scored 14 points in the last seven and a half minutes of regulation and helped USC get that game into overtime. USC still did, you know, very officially now dead last in the uh, conference, the Pac-12. They are 12th with a 3-9 conference record. Crazy to say, but now it looks like they've got all their guys back. They've been missing their top three players at some point throughout the season, in and out. They almost seldom have played together, and it looks like that they might be playing together, and it's crazy. This is not a good conference this year. Even the teams like the U of A at the top, in my opinion, not as good as they have been. 
And I think USC is a team that you do not want to play in the first or second day of the Pac-12 tournament if they are healthy and it seems like they are getting close to being healthy. All right, after Corey's update, next up will be the National Roundup as we wrap up today's Sports Zone. We'll get to uh, the updated uh, line for Super Bowl 48, which has actually not changed now since a week ago Tuesday. Uh, we'll tell you uh, there is one sports book in Las Vegas that is uh, you know, kind of uh, you know out there by itself right now as far as the uh, side goes. So we'll talk about that. Also, we'll have uh, try to get some time in for rip from the headlines from the wire, maybe some college basketball from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kess Lux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. And we start with the latest line for Super Bowl 58. No change really in most locations for nine days now. Uh, this line opened way back when on the Sunday night for the conference championship games with the 49ers a two-and-a-half point favorite. Total opened at 48. Uh, quickly, uh, most locations moved to two, uh, uh, 47.5. It actually went down to one and a half briefly, you know, several days ago, but it's been pretty much a consensus number for sure. It has been one and a half for the last nine days. Once again, uh, kind of one of the lone wolves out there uh, as far as high volume, high bet, and, you know, high handle shops uh, would be the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas. Four consecutive days now. Uh, the consensus number, they're not their consensus number, their number for the game uh, has been the 49ers, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, quickly, from the scoreboard, some college basketball from last night. Uh, Auburn, a really good defensive team, scored 99 points last night against arch-rival Alabama. Uh, and uh, basically, it was uh, more than a two-man show if you're getting 99 points, but two guys got 50. Jalen Williams scored a season, a career high, I should say, 26 points. And uh, also, uh, you know, Johnny Broom, he had 24 points. And Auburn uh, avenged an earlier loss this year at Alabama. So Auburn now 19-4 and overall, 8-2 in conference play. They're tied with uh, Alabama atop the, uh, the SEC standings. Also, Tennessee has two losses. They're a half game behind, as is South Carolina. So, uh Hotly contested uh, top four teams don't include Kentucky right now in the conference standings in the SEC. I want to like Creighton, but they keep losing games like last night. They lost in overtime last night at, at uh, Providence, 91-87. Providence is not a bad team, 15-8 overall, 6-6 six and six in the highly competitive Big East. But I'm disappointed in Creighton. They're now to 16-7 overall, 7-5 in conference play. They just are not particularly good at the end of games. Um, they've lost as close games. They lost this game in overtime last night. They should be better. It seems like I say that almost every year about Creighton, however. Meanwhile, quickly, some rip from the headlines and from the wire. The NBA, the trade deadline is today. A lot of trades this morning. We'll go through those, I'm sure, in some detail or some, you know, to some extent in the extra point hosted by Kayla in the next two hours. I think the one that caught my attention the most yesterday, uh, the Celtics did get some bench help. Cedric Tillman, who's a very good backup center, 
uh, was acquired from uh, from Memphis and also the Celtics. Also, uh, you know, the the added uh, you know excuse me the Wolves. The, you know, the Celtics got Tillman. The Wolves added uh, Monty Morris, a very good backup point guard. So I think that those two things are actually trades that could help teams in the postseason. Meanwhile, around the NFL, the Packers announced the plans are in place to replace CEO Mark Murphy, who's going to retire at the end of the 2025 season. Also, the Cowboys uh, defensive coordinator list continues to grow as far as candidates. We mentioned Ron Rivera and Mike Zimmer yesterday. Rex Ryan, former Jets and you know, Jets head coach mainly, he interviewed for the uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator position here in the last 24 hours. And in college football, uh, Steve Sarkeesian confirmed on Wednesday that Quinn Ewers is going to start the 2024 season as the quarterback. Remember, Texas going to the SEC starting next season ahead of uh, the heralded Arch Manning, Quinn Ewers at this point. Ewers win healthy, mostly a very good season last year for UT. All right, stay tuned in the next two hours. It is the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including uh, discussion. Uh, Kayla is going to talk with A.J. Perez from Front Office Sports. And uh, this has been the Sports Show with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Thanks for listening.